Hello, this is Curtis Edwards, Vice President of Investor Relations at Hudson Investing. Are you ready to start building your multifamily portfolio? Kent and I are excited to announce our newest deal in Spartanburg, South Carolina. This 157-unit property offers a unique chance to acquire a B-class value-add property for just $120,000 per door. This is well below replacement costs. De-risking the deal even further is a favorable loan assumption with over six years remaining at 3.73% fixed. With 50 economic development projects underway and 70,000 jobs within a 20-minute drive, the South Carolina upstate region is primed for above-average job, population, and rent growth. Don't miss out on this exclusive deal. Find the link in the description notes to learn how you can invest. The importance of uh, what the rich people do is they take that money and they invest it in real estate or hard assets um, because that's going to be that asset is going to appreciate over time. Welcome to Right Around Real Estate, the show about how to passively invest like a pro. On each episode, I interview real estate experts who give their top investing advice, strategies, and tools. And I break down their insights into practical steps to avoid the pitfalls and make better investments. I want to help you passively invest like a pro. This is Ritter on Real Estate, and I'm your host, Kent Ritter. Hello, fellow investors. Welcome to another episode of Ritter on Real Estate, where we teach you how to passively invest like a pro. Today, my guest is Eric Martel, and Eric purchased his first apartment building at the age of 18 years old while he was still at university. And he, upon graduating, he became an actuary. He was he was there during the times when uh, pensions started switching over to 401ks and saw that risk shift uh, over to the employees and thought that he better uh, he better put a plan in place to make sure that that he's going to have a plan for retirement. He actually joined the uh, the tech industry kind of a beginning and then during the, the dot-com crash. I'm sure that's an interesting story. And then went into a whole host of other businesses, ultimately forming Martel Turnkey, and uh, helping others now really achieve their own financial freedom uh, through real estate investing, which is you know mine and, and many of ours investment of choice. So Eric, very interesting story. Excited to hear some more about it. And thanks for joining today. Well, thank you, Kent. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you know, if you will, ju- just elaborate a little bit. You've got you know quite an illustrious career, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of uh, lessons learned to, to go along the way. Yeah. So, you know, tell us a little about who you are and, and how you got to yeah. be where you are today. Well, it doesn't feel illustrious, I must say. It's a, it was a lot of work, a lot of pivoting, a lot of changes, a lot of, you know, kind of adjustments. And, yeah. uh, you know, it took years for me to get to where I am. And this is, you know, this is why I'm, I'm talking to you today to kind of like help uh, other people shorten that duration. It doesn't have to take, you know, 30 years to get to where I am. You can do it in 10 years. So I'd like to uh, shortcut that for a lot of people. But yeah, I started uh, when I was 18 years old. Um, you know, my parents were just like regular, you know, uh, lower middle class kind of uh, people working nine to five, paycheck to paycheck, you know, not, nothing uh, too special there. Except that I was, I, w- I didn't like, I didn't like that. I knew there was something better. I knew there was for them. I mean, they understood kind of like the 
punching there for hours and then paying bills. But there was a whole universe of things that they, they, didn't, they didn't know how that works. Something as basic as banking, as financing, how money works and all that in business. So there's mm -hmm. just like, uh, so I knew there was something more out there. Uh, when I ended up at university, I met uh, through some friends, someone that was uh, a real estate investor. And I knew that was something that I was interested in. And, um, and this guy was not nothing special. Like he was, he was just as smart or as unsmart as my parents uh he or uneducated i should say mm -hmm. um he was uh you know so he, he was nothing special community college teacher he was working still his job but he managed to build a little like a 36 unit apartment building and he was building a real estate empire he was working last time i talked to him he was working on a on a shopping center nursing home and all that kind of stuff so very entrepreneurial and um <clears throat> When I met him, I knew I had to kind of latch on, latch on to him and then kind of like, you need to teach me everything, you know, mm -hmm. and through him, I met like I, I met through other investors, I met kind of like how they, they add value to properties and all of that. And then I decided to invest also, uh, even though I had no money and I told him that up front, I said, I have no money. Uh, behind in the back of my mind, I was thinking that maybe if I find the right opportunity, he's going to invest in my project. Um, but it turns out they didn't even do that. Um, so, <laughs> so I ended up, I found a deal. It took a long time to find a deal. A lot, I had to analyze lots of deals. The realtor that I was working with, or that was supposed to work for me to find that deal was, uh, in his mind, he's, he was thinking that what I was looking for didn't exist. So he kept confirming that belief by showing me deals that don't work instead of mm -hmm. keeping finding something that would work and um so eventually he's just like he was tired of me and he said well why don't you look uh yourself you know and uh so he gave me like uh, in those days there was no uh, internet so um if any of your viewers can relate to that what that would be like um but yeah, so it basically gave me binders of uh, paper and stacks of papers with like, you know, opportunities or not opportunities, but properties that were for sale. And I just crunched the numbers, spent the whole week, uh, weekend and uh, kind of crunched the numbers and then found like a few properties that would actually work for that. And um, but of course, I had no money. So we started kind of looking at, so well, where am I going to get the money? We needed to have someone that would be willing to do seller financing, at least for part of the deal. And um, so, yeah, so I found, found one guy that was willing to do seller financing. And then was, uh, and then even after the full financing, so he was, we, the property would cash flow. So that that's what I wanted. And that's what I ended up buying. Um, so that was, but it was quite a journey. It was pretty complex to get to that. It took a lot of effort and all of that. Uh, eventually I graduated, as you mentioned, from, uh, from university and then started working. So it made it very difficult for me to find another property like that. So, so that's kind of like, and I was in different cities and big cities and I couldn't find deals in there. And um, yeah, so that's, that's kind of... Uh, so that took me a while to get back basically into, into a real estate mode. Mm -hmm. Well, I think there's, there's a lot to unpack there though. I mean, being 18 years old, that takes a hell of a lot of initiative to, to go out and I think one, you found a mentor, right? And you were able to kind of leverage um, 
their experience. I mean, it sounds like a little bit, you know, kind of learn, at least have a representation of like, Hey, this is what I want to do. Right. And you had enough wherewithal to, to go after at 18 years old, uh, while you're in college. Um, which is definitely not what I was doing in college. You know? So, so I think that that, that's, uh, that's pretty awesome. And then, you know, having that, I'm sure having that property still set you up for a certain level of financial independence, even at a young age, and at least gives you more options. Right. And, well, what gave, what really uh, helped me there is that it showed me that it was possible for me to, to do that, to do that kind yeah. of investment and to basically have something that would cash flow. Um, you know, so that that was a big that was a big thing. Confirming, you know, a, a belief like that is very important because you have always you have always have all these people that say no, say no. If I hadn't found this property, if I hadn't been able to close on it, my my experience or my belief would have been potentially that oh yeah, it I can't be done, and then I wouldn't even you know I would try to find something else or just stick to my day job. But um, yeah, so that that's that's was that's the in, important I think lesson from that is that I knew it was possible, and then the yeah. question was where how do I find the next opportunity? Yeah, I mean, no matter what level you're at, you're going to have kind of limiting beliefs that that will keep you in a, in a certain place, right? Whether it's you know you're getting started and I can't find a property, or it's too you know the market's too saturated there's too much competition you know i don't know enough i mean there, there's always something that you can tell yourself to prevent yep, you from moving exactly. forward right and, yeah. and if you had listened to that broker and said yeah no there's nothing like this i mean you may never have, have moved forward so even people that are in it and could benefit from you buying a property you're telling yeah. you no 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 right so you got to be able to, to see through that and i think even no matter what level you are there's always limiting beliefs around that next level up so if you've acquired yeah. 100 units properties and maybe it's no i can't go after a 300 unit that'd be too much money you know there's always that yeah. next level and so yeah. I, I think just being able to like you said see through that and push forward and take action which then you proved to yourself that you can do it uh because you took action and then you, and then you you crush that limiting belief so i think that yeah. that's awesome you did that at such an early age mm -hmm. and so so something that was unique uh that i was reading in, in your bio you were talking about uh you know, being there from kind of the shift from pensions to 401ks and kind of what you, you saw the writing on the wall and kind of the oh, foreshadowing yeah. of what that was going to become. So, so talk a little bit, I, I guess, about that and, and how that changed your perspective and your, your path. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, so I think, um, basically I, for, for people who don't know, I mean, in the old days, <laughs> People would work for the same company for a long period of time and get a gold watch. Uh, they would work 25 years and, you know, they would get a watch for their service or a gift like that. But the other thing that they would get would be a defined benefit pension plan. So they would have a pension plan. And that was very usual for most people. My father, even though he was working nine to five at an aluminum plant, he was he got a pension plan. And that was basically the white was called defined is that they would tell you up front that what you're going to get is basically 50%. I'm simplifying here, but mm -hmm. you get 50% of your final salary at retirement. So if you make $100,000 when you retire, you get the, uh, the company through their pension plan would give you $50,000 a year. 
then you have your social security on top of that and then you have your savings that would kind of like finish the whole thing and then you should end up around like 80 to 90 maybe 100 percent of your final salary still at retirement so you can enjoy uh, your life uh, but you know when i started working as an actuary i mean already there was um every day every week i was i was what's called winding down i was closing these plants and then moving them into uh not these plant these plans and then uh, converting them into 401k the problem with 401k is that now uh the employee is responsible for determining uh, how much savings they need to do in order to have enough money at retirement they have to decide how they're gonna invest that money you know and then at retirement and then they have to figure out how that money is going to be converted at retirement into a stream of income most workers my father uh, certainly and most people that are in that situation that have a 401k have no clue on any of these things mm-hmm. um so you know so the, and this is what we're saying today is that people have don't have enough savings People have savings and then they don't have, uh, they don't know how to to convert that uh, that saving into a stream of income. So they go to life insurance and get an annuity, which is probably the worst type of conversion that you can do. Uh, or they do like a bond ladder or something like that, which is in this low interest environment is also not a good idea. But, you know, so that's why I'm, I'm kind of on the bandwagon of, you know, probably the best investment you can do would be real estate rentals in order to convert that, uh, mm-hmm. that stream of income. And that's, that's what I've been doing. And that's what I've been like preaching or yeah. communicating to a lot of people to make them aware that this, this investment vehicle is ideal for, uh, for people who want to convert their, their retirement savings into a stream of income. Yeah, well, it's, it's such a mind, mindset shift for people. Right. Because we're taught from the very beginning and, and, and your parents sound very similar to mine and, and even through school and everything is, you know, save, 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 save. Exactly. Right? And we're not taught a whole lot about investing. And, and so what you're talking about is that shift from a saving mindset to an investing mindset. Right. And the difference is when you're saving, you're just trying to get a, as big a pile of cash as possible. And then, and then you're going to burn that cash down over the years and, and, and hope yeah. that, that you die before the cash runs out. Right. But, right. but that, but that cash is not replenishing versus an investing mentality where you're taking that, that pile of cash and that pile of cash, you're put, you're investing in something that then produces cash itself and actually creates an income stream for you that you can live off of, like to replace your salary or whatever it was in retirement years or, Heck, if, even if you want to retire early and you want to be, mm. you know, you want to uh, retire when you're 45 or whichever, but it's just the, the mentality shift, I think is so important for people of that saving is, is, is not enough. I mean, if you look at the environment we're in right now, right, you go to a bank, I mean, the, the interest rates at banks are laughable, right? And you get interested at your bank. Well, you know, it's, it's definitely not enough, uh, especially when you look at where inflation is, right? So, in, if, exactly, if, yeah. if inflation is outpacing yeah. uh, your interest rate by a, by a hundred times, which, mm. which has been happening in the past few months, yeah. then you know you're not you're not making much uh, on right. your money, and um, so it's not enough just to save. I think is where we're at, and that's what you're saying. We've got to shift to yeah. an investing mindset, and it is yeah. a mindset shift. It's getting comfortable. Uh, with the idea of instead of instead of just piling your cash, uh, putting it into something, and I think where people a lot of people get held up is, is risk or perceived risk, right? They they perceive 
having their money in the bank is safer than having their money in a real estate investment. But maybe you can help some folks, you know, explain how to get them over that hump and, and, and how, I mean, explain how that's not true, how it's not really safer to save in that bank than put it into a real estate investment. Yes, I mean, <clears throat> I mean, inflation. I mean, you hit it on the nail, uh, hit the nail on the head here on the inflation. I mean, it does feel like it's it's uh, it's safer to put it in the bank because you know you can look at that number and you can see that the number is the same unless you have some bank fees. Then you can see the number go down every every uh, every month. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, but yeah, I mean, it does feel safer. But the problem is that this inflation thing is very. Uh, it's kind of hidden you don't you don't really feel it i mean i you, you know i go everything kind of goes up like a couple of pennies here a couple of pennies there a dollar there and stuff like that and we've seen the effect with the pandemic we've seen the effect of of inflation the fast or high inflation in a short period of time and you can see that people now can see that oh the price of this two by four was three dollars now it's it's twelve dollars mm. it's like wow this happened in like in a short time um so this effect the same effect of inflation <clears throat> even though it's happening only maybe at like for um, right now it's like six percent pretty pretty high compared to what it was like last a uh, couple of years ago which was around two or three percent so it's it's double or triple what it was uh and it's going to continue to to be higher and higher so as um you know, as we, as the economy and some of the things that haven't been factored in yet to, uh, into that inflation number, like rents and like, uh, um, you know, the cost of housing in general. <clears throat> and some, some, uh, things have increased by 20%. So construction material, we've seen like also, uh, oil and stuff like that has also increased by to 30%, I forget exactly what the number is. And that has a ripple effect on the cost of goods because everything needs to be shipped. And if it costs more to ship from point A to point B, then it's going to be be reflected in the price of milk and the price of of meat and vegetables and all that kind of stuff. So that's why it's it's very conspicuous to see that. And the importance of uh, what the rich people do is they take that money and they invest it in real estate or hard assets, um, because that's going to be that asset is going to appreciate over time. Um, and um, so that that's why rental real estate rentals is ideal for that because then you have a piece of asset you have a hard asset like a real estate and then not only that but it pays for itself um so you don't have to worry about it it's positive cash flow and then you this this asset keeps growing um you don't again the problem is here is that you don't really see it increase in value uh because you know, you just see that the, the house is the same and you have to maintain it and all that kind of stuff. But, but yeah, I mean, this is this is the difference. And um, people need to change the focus. You mentioned also like the, the savings and this accumulation mindset. People have to focus, change that accumulation mindset and then convert it into more like a cash flow, uh, a cash flow mindset. Um, you know, as, as you know, uh, Kiyosaki and uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I mean, this is basically his message is that don't focus so much on accumulating money, focus on what this money is doing, is doing for you. Another one thing that really helped me uh, kind of like get off uh, and, and do more and really pay attention to this is 
I had equity in my house. I had, uh, you know, all kinds of things. And I, every day, like I would work, like I would come from, uh, from work and I would imagine all that equity sitting on the couch, having watched TV the whole day when I work my, my tail off at, uh, you know, at, uh, at different jobs. And it's just like, you know, this is wrong. This equity, this, this capital needs to work for me. Like I say for it, it needs to work for me and visualize it as an, as a person, if you want, or a group of people and say, okay, you, you guys off the couch, it's time to go to work. And, um, and this is kind of, if that helps you visualize kind of that, then whenever you go, you go home after work, after a hard day's work, look at the couch and imagine your equity and your capital sitting there having watched TV and asking you if the, uh, if you made dinner yet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think the, that's a great point. It's a good way to visualize. I mean, the, the core principle is, you know, your money should also be working for you, right? And if it's, and if it's sitting in a bank uh, while it's perceived as safe because you don't feel like you're losing money or there's not that risk of losing money, right? Uh, each day, each day it's being chipped away at, right? From, yeah. from an inflationary standpoint. So each year that money that's in there is worth less than it was the year before. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and you know, it, it's like this idea of, you know, if you're, if you're taken from taking buckets of water out of, out of a swimming pool, right? Eventually that swimming pool is uh, going to run dry. And that's mm-hmm. the savings mentality versus if you're, you're, you're taking money out of a, you know, out of a spring, right? A spring that continues there to refill that that's what the cash flow mentality is, is like, you, know, you can take the money out and spend it, but because you've invested in something that the pool continues to refill, it continues to refill mm-hmm. that, that spring is regenerating. And so I think that's, those are important concepts, I think, to understand. And, and I think that's the only way at this point, you, you really prepare for retirement, right? To be able to retire the way, the way that you want is by putting that money to work. So you're multiplying your effort. You're working hard and your money's working hard. Mm-hmm. Right. And, yeah. and I think that's exactly. the key to it all. Exactly. And in terms of risk, I mean, you know, you f- it feels risky to kind of like invest in something, but just because you don't know exactly what the outcome is going to be. Mm-hmm. Right. But if you leave your money at the bank, you know, a hundred percent what the outcome is going to be. It feels less risky, but the outcome, unfortunately, is negative if you just leave it in the bank. Mm-hmm. So the worst thing that I can do, I mean, that's what I, I do every day is that I don't want money in my bank. So I, I work very hard every day to get the money out of my bank, my bank account and have it work for me and have it invested in different properties. That's what I do every day. Yeah. Look at your mentality is not to, not to save a bunch of money in the bank. It's actually get all the you money know, out of the bank, get it get, out, get it out, get it working. Right. <laughs> How come kick, it's still here? Kick its butt off the couch. Get off the couch. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, you know, just kind of around where we've been talking. I mean, one thing that, that I know you had outlined before are just kind of, you know, the barriers to achieving uh, financial freedom. I mean, we, we talked about mindset some, right? But, but are there, there are other barriers that you see commonly as you're talking with folks that you can help folks overcome? Yeah. And the biggest one that I've seen is, is alignment. So I think your number one goal, everybody's number one goal should be to achieve financial freedom. There's no doubt in my mind that this is what you need to do so that you can retire, but you can also maybe retire early. Um, and so that's, that should be your number one goal. And then after that, you look at different strategies and, and across all the different asset classes, different strategies that would give you uh, this, um, 
you know, this, this uh, kind of a cash flow that will help you achieve that goal, right? <clears throat> and some of them are, you know, yeah, they would work, but is that really something that you want? So like, you know, one of them, for example, is that the 4% withdrawal method. I don't know if you heard about that one, but you basically, you invest yeah. your money in the stock market, you know, and on average, the stock market is going to make, you know, 9% or, uh, you know, over the last 50 years, that's how much is made. And then, um, then you take 4% of that equity out every, every year to pay for your bills. So that, that's how you convert that saving into a stream of income. So you need a significant amount of money to do that, right? You need mm -hmm. about 20 times the amount of money that you want to make. So if you want to make $100,000, you need $2 million in that, that account to, to make that work. And um, so that, that's one way to do it. The thing is that when you run some numbers on that, there's a 20% chance that you're going to run out of money before, uh, before you pass away. So, you know, are you willing to risk that 20%? Uh, that's why I'm focusing a lot of attention. And I'm telling a lot of people that really real estate rental is the ideas, the ideal uh, method, the ideal investment for, for doing that. So in your perspective, then, you know, yeah. what is it about real estate rentals that, that has made it your uh, weapon of choice, let's say? Well, I mean, you could, you could start from a blank, uh, you know, piece of paper and then kind of like identify the things that you want to see in the perfect investment, right? So you want to have something that, uh, that I can use leverage. I can put a little bit of money and I can control a bigger asset. I want something that has positive cash flow, that has good return, that has tax benefits, um, that would adjust with uh, inflation, um, you know, all, all, these, all these good things. And then you say, well, that investment doesn't exist, you know, <laughs> but it, that's real estate rentals for you. Um, so it has all these advantages. It has all this tax benefit, all the tax deferral that you can do. It has positive cash flow. It has, in, depending on the market you're in, you could have excellent returns. Some of the markets that we're in right now, our, invest in our, our investors are making 10 to 12% cash on cash return on their, uh, on their, the money they invested. So all, all that is, uh, this is real estate rentals. And what happens when we talk about the biggest problem that I'm seeing investors do is that they kind of like go from all kinds of different uh, types of investment strategy. And they say, oh, you know, oh, but this guy made, he made $10,000 and I only made $7,000. And, uh, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to switch my strategy and I'm going to go do that now. And it takes time to ramp up. So you kind of go and then you ramp up. Maybe that's going to be successful for you or not, depending on the time you have available, the money you have available. So, right. so that, that's, the, that's the thing. I think alignment is the key thing and focus on, on the right strategy for you based on the amount of time you have available and the amount of money you have available. Gotcha. So, you're, so we've gone over that you know, just the 401k savings approach yep. doesn't work. We've gone over that uh, the, all the benefits of real estate and why that is, you know, one of the best investments out there for all the reasons that you mentioned. And, and as you can easily imagine there, there's more as well. I mean, mm -hmm. we probably make a list. So, so if we know all this, then, then why aren't more people investing in real estate? Yeah. So I think we, I'm dealing with a big marketing machine at wall street. Uh, people, they make, uh, 
they make a lot of money doing that and they uh they have they're on tv they're on they're everywhere and they they have your money already your 401k money is with them already um so all they have to do is convince you that you need you need more money to uh to save to give it to them so that they can invest for you and they can make a, a more fees off of you um I mean, it's a way to do it, but it's it's just at, not as efficient as uh, you know. Like I said, if you want to make hundred thousand dollars a year, you know, and adjust it with inflation, you're gonna need like two million dollars in uh, in savings in order to do that. If you're using something like the four the four percent withdrawal method, and you're still gonna have a chance twenty percent chance of running out of money. Yeah. Yeah. With real estate rental, different different scenario. You have you're building a business that's going to last and that's going to outlast you, and it's going to be something that you can leave with your children after that. Yeah. So so talk to us then about what what you're doing with uh, Martel Turnkey, and talk talk about what an investment uh, looks like yeah. for with you guys. Yeah. So uh, the Martel Turnkey, actually, we were not planning to start this business. Uh, we were building our own uh, portfolio. Uh, so our own family portfolio. I was building a rental portfolio with my my sons. And that's what we got. We uh, that's how we got started. And <clears throat> we basically looked at different markets. We looked at where, where to invest. And uh, even though we live in California, we say, well, that doesn't make, we try to invest here in California. I try to invest mm -hmm. here. Numbers don't make sense uh, for my type of investment, which is cash flowing investment with a good return, at least 10% return. You can find, you can't find that here. So I started looking outside. Uh, we ended up in Memphis and Cleveland and we started buying there. Eventually, what happened is that friends and families and other people started to under know what what we're doing, and uh, you know, uh, or we would go to meetups and mm -hmm. talk about what we're doing. Say, so, hey, I want to do that. I want to invest with you. I want to, I want to lend you money. I want to do joint venture. I, I want to buy one of those houses. How can I do it? And blah blah blah. And so that's that's when we uh, we ended up in a situation where we said, well, maybe there's a business here for us. Maybe we should be doing turnkey rentals, even though there were some other turnkey rental providers out there. Yeah, and that's how we ended up there. Yeah. So we basically now are buying distressed property, renovating them, renting them out and reselling them to investors who want to build their passive income uh, portfolio and achieve financial freedom. Gotcha. So you're doing the heavy lifting, you're turning it into a turnkey, and then you're, you're selling it back to investors so they can That's have right. uh, just something that cash flows and they don't have to put a lot of time and money into rehabbing. Gotcha. Exactly. So uh, we remove basically all the risks. Uh, well, not all the risks, but we remove like most of the risks. So you don't have to figure out what market is going to cash flow. We have that figured out. Uh, you don't have to worry about the risk of, uh, you know, rehab costing more than expected or finding things. We're taking care of that. You don't have to worry about finding a tenant. How long is it going to find take me to find a tenant that is going to be qualified and stuff like that. You don't have to worry about that. We're going to give you, uh, it's going to be tenanted by the time you close the, you close the mm -hmm. deal. And also the rent. Uh, how, how do I know that I'm going to get the rent that I think I I'm going to, I'm going to, I should get for the market and stuff like that. Yeah. So 
All these risks are done, are taken care of. We also connect you with property management company, with a lender, all of that insurance company. So you don't have to find a property management company that uh, that's qualified. We've vetted these property management company. These are the same property management companies that we're using ourselves. Sure. So it's interesting because I mean, my story is somewhat similar. I mean, focused more on the multifamily side, but Mm -hmm. this idea that, I mean, I did the same thing. I started investing for personal reasons. And then as more and more people uh, started to hear what I was doing and, and yeah, I said, Hey, what are you doing over there? What's happening? What do you, what'd you make on that? Oh, really? You know, how do I start to do that? And then, I mean, that is kind of organically how, how my business evolved as well. And so I, I think it's something where like I usually view all that we were talking about before as perceived risk and things of stocks versus real estate, et cetera. A lot of it is just that it's perceived risk because it's unfamiliar. And as you start to familiarize the people around you with what you're doing, uh, I thought it was pretty incredible how, how people get it and they start yeah. to jump, jump on board. And then the better you get it at, at telling people about it, then the more people start to jump on board. And, and I, I kind of have that same moment where it's like, Oh, maybe, like, man, I think this is a business here. I think this is something mm-hmm. we can do. And, yeah. you know, you, you got to like doing it. And so having yeah. fun doing it. But I just think that that's interesting as, as people get educated by just being around you, then they, they understand the value and they start to really want to jump on board. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, and, and the value really is, is about, is about, I mean, we're really changing lives. I mean, we have some people that uh, like one of them was like, I think it was like 30 years old and all that. And, you know, he's, he's has a good job, nothing extraordinary. But uh, after I talked to him, like we put a plan together and he's buying a couple of houses a year. And in like, I think it's five years or something like that, he's going to have enough cash flow to pay for all his living expenses. So he's going to be financially free. Mm-hmm. and he's not going to quit his job but he's going to be financially free if he wants to he can just take like six months off and do whatever or a year off and um, so that's the kind so it's really changing lives um, so that that's what I, I really like it because the, the life changing event that's going to happen is going to be retirement and uh, for most people most Americans, it's going to be a very unpleasant experience uh, mm-hmm. most of them didn't have enough savings and um, yeah so and so I think, people don't know when they're going to retire either by the way so people yeah. think they're going to retire at 65 and stuff like that but most people like I think it was 80 percent of the people didn't retire at the age they, uh, they thought they would retire because right. things happens in life right you get sick you get quit you get uh, laid off early and it's getting hard to, when you get older, it's hard to find another job. Yeah. And, and I think when you talk about risk, I mean, that to me is, is the biggest risk is only having one stream of income. Yeah. That is your primary job that requires you to go to work every day yeah. uh, to get paid because yeah, I mean, a lot of things can happen, right? You yeah. know, bad thing, bad things happen all the time. You never know if you'll be able to work, yeah. right? Or continue working or something could happen. And so I think the way you mitigate risk in my mind is by creating multiple streams of income, exactly. rental, rental properties, whether it's multifamily, mobile homes, you know, single family homes are a great way to do that. And, um, you know, I want to show that, you this because you said multiple streams of income. So this yeah. is a book. This is not my book, right? So this is a book that I read, I think in, in 2000 or something like that. Yeah. It's multiple streams of income by uh, Robert mm-hmm. Allen. And this is the first time that he said, oh yeah, this is, uh, this is what you need to do. You need to build that. 
and I bought I bought into that that yeah. idea, and uh, that's that's how I ended up building yeah multiple streams of income. Yeah, no, very. Company of this, this, and this, right? So very cool. No, I th- and I think that's that's the right way to do it, right? Because I mean, y- you never know. You never know what's going to happen. The best way to prepare is to have a plan B, right? Yeah. And that that plan B is having other sources of income. And I, I love that exactly. idea, just having that flexibility. You can still work if you want to, but but uh, yeah. it's nice to have the peace of mind and know you don't have to, right? Exactly. And, and I think as we're going, we're going more and more into a gig economy. Uh, I think the fact that working from home and being able to move to different cities that's going to change people's lives in different ways i think this if it go more and more into a gig economy that means you may be working on a project let's say at google for a year or two and stuff like that then the project runs out then you have a couple of months where you don't have any income because because you're waiting on a project at facebook and now you go work there for a little bit and all Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff so this gig economy, I was an independent consultant for, for many years, and that's kind of how it is. You have kind of these ups and downs, and having that other stream of income coming in and filling the gaps uh, is very, very important. It gives you that security that yeah. you don't have otherwise. hundred percent. So the, to wrap it up, the biggest risk is that we are, the biggest risk is that you know, you're, you're not being proactive with your future, mm-hmm. right? You, you can't put your financial future on autopilot by just shoveling money into the 401k. We, we know that strategy doesn't work. You see people retire every day uh, that, that don't, that, that have to go back to work, have to take a second, third uh, career, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, they just don't have enough. And so we know that you can't just put it on autopilot. Um, but a lot of us are busy. We can't, uh, you know, we, we can't necessarily go out and be hunting for houses or hunting for apartments, right? And that's where I think you have to look for alternatives. You have to look for alternative investment options, um, you know, with, with mm-hmm. folks that, you know, whether they're like Eric or, or, you know, or like myself or others where folks mm-hmm. are creating these, these investment opportunities. I think it's important just to educate yourself and to uh, do your due diligence and, and learn what's out there. But, but no matter who you invest with or what you invest in, you, you can't put it on autopilot. You can't save your way to retirement. You, you got to invest, right? Yeah. Yep. And so, so Eric, before I let you go, I, I want to take you through our keys to success round. Four questions I want to ask you. The first one is if you were, you know, somebody who's investing, you know, with you or with somebody else, and they could only ask one question of that person, what is the one question that they should ask? For me, I would say track record. I think you want to look at the, their track records. How much investment have they invested in that particular sector? How successful were they? And then, uh, so I think that this is very important. Uh, you want to confirm their ability to to execute, deliver, and then, uh, yeah, I think that's that's the most important thing. Perfect. What are you most proud of in your career? Uh, I think it's my family. I think uh, we're we're running a family business, and uh, it's just it's just amazing uh, to be working together. I mean, my wife is working next door uh, in sales uh, in her office. My son is actually, you know, he has his own apartment on the same floor here, and you know, so that's that's great. My other son is in Memphis, uh, had managing the construction projects there. So to me, that that was my dream to to be working with my family. So that's that's my my best achievement, I would say. I think I think that's awesome. I, I hope in uh, you know 13, 15 years that I can be doing the same thing when, once my kids uh-huh. are old enough. 
Yeah, I hope so. What's a book that everybody should read? Well, uh, one book that I think, beside my book, Stop Trading Your Time for Money, uh, <laughs> I had to plug it in somewhere. Shameless plug, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, I think to me the book was uh, is called What Got You Here Won't Get You There. Uh, and this book was really about talking about that mind mind shift is that yeah you work you work full time for uh, for a company for 20 years and you have a lot of experience and blah 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 but there's more there's something else that you need to some for most people there's some other skills that you need to have there's a, a other mindset that needs to be set in place in order to be successful in the invest on the investing side when you start to invest in real estate and all of that and it's not it's not complicated but it's just to help you realize that there is this there's a gap here and that you mm -hmm. need to be aware that you know whatever skills you had yes yeah, some of them are transferable to to this but you're going to need to develop new skills and be willing to do that yeah that's a great read and last question what is your number one key to success my number one, I think, is has been taking action. I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, I take action uh, on a regular basis. That's why I was able to uh, buy this uh, this apartment building, eight unit apartment building, when I was 18 years old, because I took action. Uh, it doesn't mean that I'm I'm careless about the actions I take. I do measure the the level of risk, and I make and I take small bets, and I take. Um, you know, I, I take yeah, small risk and then I grow from that. Like once you get, it's kind of like uh, something that just come to mind now. It's kind of like diving is, uh, you know, at the beginning you start with the little, the little diving board and then you go to the bigger diving board and then you go to the platform and then you start doing some tricks and all that and it gets more complicated. You don't start on the platform doing all kinds of, of tricks. You start small and you build your skills as you go. And you take more risk and all of that. So I think it's the same. It's the same thing with uh, with investing. You start small. You start start with something that is just a little bit maybe outside your comfort zone, but not way outside, so that you can you get more comfortable with bigger risk and bigger projects. Yeah, I mean, each time you step outside your comfort zone, all all of a sudden your comfort zone widens, and now that's your comfort yeah. zone, and you keep yeah. moving and moving and moving, and, and you're amazed. When you look back and say, wow, look how far I've come. Look, look how big my zone is now. Yeah. Yeah. I really like Absolutely. that diving board analogy. I just came up with that just now. Uh, <laughs> you write that so down. On the fly. I was just definitely going to write that down. <laughs> yeah. Well, right on. Well, Eric, thank, thank you so much for coming on and uh, sharing your story with the listeners. If, if folks do want to learn more about you, Martel Turnkey, how do they get a hold of you? So on Instagram, it's E underscore Martel. I'm also on TikTok, E underscore Martel there as well. I have my own uh, personal website, MartelEric.com. And of course, my the turnkey business, uh, MartelTurnkey.com. All right. Well, very good. We'll make sure all that's listed out so folks can reach you. And once again, thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Kent. Thanks for listening to another great episode of Ritter on Real Estate. Hit the subscribe button to make sure you don't miss out on the content that will make you a better investor. Also, visit KentRitter.com for articles, videos, and tools curated just for passive investors. Until next time, this is Kent Ritter with Ritter on Real Estate. Now go out and invest like a pro.